count us down? I'll count us down. Okay. You said three, two, one. That's where we start with the three. Sure. Yeah. It's it's a, this is all you. This is oh, your show. This is crazy. This is your show. You're oh, the, wow. you're the guests. Mm-hmm. You know. That's bananas. Yeah. All right, here we go. Go ahead, Bess. Right, best, best. I love you. I love you too. All right, three, two, one. Yeah! As we go a little something like this, hit it. Hi, my name is Ajne Dawkins. I'm a poet and educator, and right now I am rewatching a different world. Hey y'all, I'm Brittany Rogers, also poet and educator, as well as long nail connoisseur. And I am patiently, not so patiently waiting for the next episode of Carisha Please to drop. drop, drop. And we are your co-hosts of Versus, the podcast where poets confront the ideas that move them. Hi, co-hosts. Hey, co-hosts. <laughs> this is wild. <laughs> Look at us. Who, who would have thought it? So on that note, we are so, so excited to be talking to our faves and your faves, Danette Smith and Franny Choi. Yes, and this interview I know already is holding a special place in my heart. After spending a weekend in Detroit doing a retreat where they really just blessed us and helping us dream about the future of Versus and do you want to get into their bios best? Yes, let's get into the bios. Danette Smith is a Black queer pause writer and performer from St. Paul, Minneapolis. Danette is the author of Homie, Don't Call Us Dead, winner of the Ford Prize for Best Collection, the Midwest Booksellers Choice Award, and a finalist for the National Book Award, and Insert Boy, winner of the Kate Tufts Discovery Award and the Lambda Literary Award for Gay Poetry. They are a member of the Dark Noise Collective and is the former co-host of Verses with Franny Choi. And Franny Choi is the author of several books, including The World Keeps Ending and the World Goes On, Soft Science, Floating, Brilliant, Gone, and a chapbook, Death by Sex Machine. Her poems have appeared in the New York Times, The Nation, The Atlantic, Paris Review, and elsewhere. She is currently an Arthur Levitt Jr. artist in residence at Williams College. Let's get into this interview, best. Let's get into it, co-host. <laughs> this is very surreal. I'm going to go home. I- it feels a little I'm crazy. Really I'm not going to hold you. But Look, it feels right. Oh, it feels yes. so right. Let me bring the mood down with a depressing poem. I yes. love that. <laughs> <laughs> bring it down. Less hope. Apologies. I was part of the joy industrial complex. Told them their bodies were miracles and they ate it up. Sold someday. Made money off soon and now. I snuck an ode into the elegy. Forced the dead to smile and juke implied America. Said destroy, but offered nary step nor tool. I paid taxes, knowing where the funds go. In April, my offering to my mother's slow murder. By May, my sister filled with the bullets I bought. June, and my father's life locked in a box I built. My brother's end plotted as I spend. I don't know why I told you it would be okay. Not won't when they aren't killing you they're killing someone else sometimes their hands at the end of your wrist you you and me our agent and enemy there i was writing anthems in a nation whose victory was my blood made visible my mother too sugar to weep without melting my rage was their comfort foaming at my racial mouth singing gospel for a god they beat me into loving lord 
Your tomorrow holds no sway. Your heaven's too late. I've abandoned you as you me for me. C'est la vie. But sweet Satan, OG dark kicked out the sky, first fallen and niggered thing. What's good? Who owns it? Where does it come from? Satan, first segregation, mother of exile, what do you promise in your fire? For our freedom, I offer over their souls, theirs, mine is mine. I refuse any hell again. I've known nearer devils, the audience and the mirror. They, I, make you look weak. They, I, clapped at my eulogies. They, I, said encore, encore. I, we, wanted to stop being killed. And they, I, thanked me for beauty. And pitifully, I loved them. I thanked them. I took the awards and cashed the checks. I did the one about the boy when requested, traded their names for followers in lieu of action. I wrote a book, edited my war cries down to prayers, oh devil. They gave me a god and they gave me clout. They took my poems and took my blades. Satan, like you did for God, I sang. I sang for my enemy, who was my God. I gave it my best. I bowed and smiled. Teach me to never bend again. Oh, Denise. Good Lord. I love this poem. My God. If I could throw things at you, I would. I was still in like the habit of throwing things at people. You know, I don't know if that's still like the cool thing to do, but I throw things at people. It's like, the old school slam. The old school slam. The slam man of gospel concert. A pin to the forehead means you did good. You Honestly. Know? Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Pin to the forehead. Wow. <laughs> uh, I feel like that poem is giving me such like grown up vibes. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like this is a, a mature version, like not just of you as a speaker, but of like what it means to be able to reflect and think back on the ways that we're implicated in something that we've done. Honestly, it feels like in one way I feel kind of cliche because somebody told me one time that poets in their fourth book start writing about poetry. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, goddamn. Here I, am. Yeah. Here I am writing about poetry. But I think, you know, I think so many things happened during the pandemic so many things happened at the end of or around the end of our time being the host of verses even just like the shift of just poets all calling for more accountability and literally like more money put into the field from the poetry foundation and i think after writing you know for so many years i've been writing y'all like now more than half my life i'll I'll be 33 i mean i've been writing since i was 14 so more than half my life you know and poetry now, I don't get the same thing from it. And I think one thing coming out of Homie that I really had to do was sit with myself and say, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And why are you doing it the way that you're doing? And what is your your politic within this space, you yeah. know? And how do you use poetry as that's politic? And I think this poem really opened up a lot for me. I think I just had to say a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I think I've had this long career, been a great career, but not one without complication. To exist within the space of America and poetry is still t- to exist within the space of America. And I think I had to untie what does it mean to be American and successful? What does it mean to be a black poet 
somebody that has called himself an elegist and all these other kind of things. What does it mean that my career has risen alongside the Black Lives Matter movement, right? That mm, my first yeah. big poems were eulogies, were poems calling for action, and that and how those poems turned into capital, yeah. you know, <laughs> and comfort. And now the, I want to ask you a question about like accountability and craft, but then I'm like, wait, I'm not the host of the show. <laughs> <laughs> my last chance to ask you a question about poems yeah. oh no i guess in craft and accountability i think that's what i'm exploring now yeah. you know a lot i'm writing a lot of ars poeticas a lot of things like that this next collection that i'm working on it feels as much like a collection as it is a craft statement mm. you know as it is a manifesto of saying this is what i believe poetry is and what it should do in the world and while i think that poem is maybe a little bit beating myself up a little bit i think that has to happen right i don't want to be pointing the finger as I'm like, y'all the poets who messed up. Yeah. But, yeah. but you know, and I also want to be an example. But more like, what are we doing? What are we yeah. doing? And also right. an example for younger poets to say like, hey, watch out. Mm -hmm. You know, watch out for what you do. Because I don't think that that's something that like, as a younger poet, we get mentored into. I think, you know, we get advice about publishing. We get advice about how to land a book, but we don't get advice about how to be ethical. Yeah, this is a conversation me and Brittany have a lot. So it took me years to start processing what are the ethics of like writing um, and what are the ethics of the stories I'm telling and who the lens is on and why that lens and when does it turn back to me. I'm really invested in seeing writers who are like more seasoned, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Are we seasoned or are we salty? <laughs> I don't want to cry. But we are wondering in terms of thinking about moving from spaces of being emerging writers or emerging poets to being more seasoned or more experienced. What are the first ways, whether in poetry or in life in general, that you knew that you were like grown, grown? Like, mm. And like, what did you do with that freedom? So many of the early forays into writing were like predictive like trying to predict what would be good trying to predict what would work and then like trying to say like how can I make something that will work and then I'll test it out and then if it's successful it's successful and if not you know and I feel like there's a difference between trying to like predict what will work in a poem and then trying to do that versus like having built up like certain kinds of muscle memory in order like through practice in order to just like improvise on the page when it gets when it comes to the writing of it this is this is like very, maybe like really in the nuts and bolts of crafts like letting go of drafts like for this new book I wrote like there are like six poems in in this book that I like have four or five full drafts of mm. like completely different poems mm. that were just like scrapped, 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 scrapped. And then like, maybe it's like, just like the letting go of that preciousness about like the idea that this is going, this might be the last poem I ever write. And so like, you know, therefore it's like my precious baby and I have to protect it. Like I feel a lot less protective of my poems, if mm. that kind of makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think I hear you saying something not only about like intuition, so knowing when the poem is done or knowing when it needs to shift, but also about trusting that you can let it go and that it's going to come back again. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that that's the, the trust is about what that, that first thing too, like um, not, I, I think that like trying to predict what's going to, what's going to work in terms of an audience or a readership is like, not having trust you know like the trust is built on like 
I have these years of practice now and mm -hmm. I've built up this practice. Trust in yeah. your tools. Yeah, yeah, it's trust in the tools. It's trust in the tools. And I think that that like, that's the thing that has like freed me up to like be more imaginative, I think, mm. you know? But I don't know. If, as far as like the grown as a person, I feel like I'm still working on <laughs> that. I don't know. Married homeowner. <laughs> <laughs> that's supposed to be like Freddie. <laughs> Literally a married homeowner. But I mean, I think that like, like a, a married homeowner who's like on the way to taking responsibility for her emotional life you know like that'll be that'll be when I really know that I'm grown yeah. when I can really take care of my own feelings mm -hmm. I can have I can have the mortgage but if I can't take care of my emotional life I love grown. the grownness about the interiority yeah. and like not the, the exterior That's I mean beautiful. I think like yeah. I mean honestly I, I will have to say Brady I've known you since we were like now what's like Seven, eight years? No, ten, ten, like ten. Ten years, yeah. Ten I know that's years. right. A decade um, of friendship. A decade of friendship. Shout out best friends. And I think you're much more emotionally intelligent, right? And I think it's like stages of grownness Thank that we so continue to grow into that. because I really resonate with you, Franny, about trusting the tools. And I think trusting, and maybe this is also like the talkings of somebody who like had suicidal mm. ideation who was like thinking about their black body in America and what America could do to it who like I kind of maybe thought that I was going to be a member of the 27 club before I passed that number 27 club for anybody listening that doesn't know it's just like there's a large group of musicians and artists who died around the age of 27 or at the age of 27 and I think it was a commit like it was re me realizing that I'm going to live and I think as long as I'm going to live, I'm going to be a poet. And so if I don't write for two years, you know, God willing, I don't die in those two years. And that's happened to me. But like, I will come back to it. And maybe that time in between is study, is listening. And it has been all those things. I am no longer trying on my faves tools, but I feel like I do have my own kid. Period. And that type of confidence Period. is like, well, I'm like, okay, I'm grown because I'm, I'm me. Right. Mm. I'm a school. God damn it. Not in a cocky way, but like, <laughs> said, but like school, you know, like. pay attention, you might learn, you know, so. I First love, off, I love that energy. Yes. And I love hearing the undercurrent of trust in the way I think trust solidified almost like a clarity of identity. Mm -hmm. And like once that clarity of identity happened, you were more immovable mm -hmm. and also this ability to define your own poetics. Right. Um I feel like that's such a hallmark of being grown. I listen to so many people talk about being grown as a settling into yourself and like almost like the edges no longer blurring, like having that kind of definition. I feel like when I hear y'all talk about these undercurrents of truth or these undercurrents of trust is trusting the tools, but it's also trusting that you are this person. You're not aspiring to be a person, but that that's who you are. And those like the edges yes. aren't blurred. You know what yeah. I mean? That language is. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for that. Ajane. That is yeah. wonderful language. I mean, what's interesting also is that I hear Denez you saying that like the trust has kind of like solidified your place a little bit. Mm -hmm. And whereas I feel like also for me, it has done that, but also also freed up some some movement and some like some some experimentation too yeah. you know mm -hmm. like that even if i even if i move from this place i'll still be me like yeah. that yes. that was what, how the trust is man manifested i think mm. for me because i think yeah. that's a type of anchor right and knowing that you have mm. yourself to return back to yeah and i think it's scarier or at least it sounds like it's y'all are saying it's scarier when you don't know who you are because then you experiment and maybe i'm not myself anymore who am i if i'm not writing this poem this way or not doing this thing versus right. i know exactly who i am so mm -hmm. i know i can veer off a bit and when i come back i'll still be here right yeah exactly mm. right because like settling into oneself doesn't have to mean stagnant right there's right. still growth there's yeah. still experimentation right but is a trust 
I don't trust all my products. I do trust my process. Mm. You know, <laughs> I yeah. do trust myself to experiment. I do trust myself to try. Mm. Right. And I know what those tries look like. I think, you know, the work will continue to develop and have different energies. You know, life events keep happening. You know, I'm very excited to see what 50 year old Inez is writing. Mm -hmm. Very excited to see what weird ass, like fucking funky ass shit that 50 year old Franny is Ooh. doing. You know, but like there is a different. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's like that. Once you. I'm just going to borrow Ajane's language. Once those those borders, you know, those edges are no longer blurred and they're defined, you still see a vast amount of land in there, right? And, like, every poem, every collection, every project, whatever the genre may be, even the project of the motion work, it only can hold so much of you, you know? And so, like, even though I'm, like, three books in, maybe I've only showed you my hand. Maybe only even a finger, right? And so there's still so much of this landscape that I have to show you if I'm using the body as a map of area, right? And there's even so much land that I haven't discovered yet, too. And so now that my borders are defined, I'm no longer confused about where I am, but I still have so much right. room to I roam. Love that. My, uh, <laughs> I, I do want to ask y'all, y'all are like the the seasoned folks, like this is y'all's first time on Versus as guests. What, what's it like to be on the other side of the table? LOL. <laughs> I feel it's a little, it's both moving and confusing. <laughs> so like, I feel like I don't really know what my role is. Like I said, I keep wanting to interview y'all. I keep being like, what do you mean by that, Ajane? Say more about this, you know what I mean? So, but it's mostly just like unbelievably moving and like feels so, it feels weird, but also so right, you know? Like, I'm just so thrilled beyond my dreams to be able to pass this off to y'all, you know? Like, as two people who have been, who have just, like, held community spaces as educators, as poets, as artists, as friends, as as mothers, you know, as a mother, and, um, like, who better to be able to hold this space? Like, I just, I just know that the listeners of verses are just going to like to 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 remember like the love that I felt coming into spaces where y'all were present, like here in Detroit or like at Slams years ago. Like knowing that that is the experience that listeners are going to have, it just like makes me happy. Oh, so yeah, that's what yeah. I feel. I feel the same. I also feel like y'all are doing a great job so far. So good. <laughs> really amazing job. Um, I guess, so much better than we were doing <laughs> years ago. Oh my God, oh, you know. Shit. If y'all go back and listen to the first two seasons of Versus with me and Franny, be gentle. Be gentle. Uh, <laughs> be gentle. Um, but I also, okay, selfishly, I'm a Leo and an extrovert. And so I'm like very happy to like be unabashedly asked about myself. So I don't have to feel bad when I start talking about my own. It's so. true. I, I was like, oh, didn't I? The are long. <laughs> Girl, I always tell my interviewers, I'm like, I'm long-winded, like so let it, me go. Like but, you know, but I think, like, it, it, it's, it's beautiful because it makes me, um, it, I think what I'm getting right now, being on this other side, is, converse, is confirmation that this was a good space to yeah. build. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we were looking for new hosts. A lot of fantastic pairings came through. Oh, yeah. So many fantastic pairings. And I think what as they got smaller and smaller through the processes, the only thing that we had as a compass is an energy that we wanted to hold. But it lets me know that like poetry needs this type of conversation, right? I think yeah. we're so like, you know, for so long poetry, or I, I won't even say all of poetry, but like, you know, I think spaces like the Poetry Foundation were siloed into like sort of a academish side of poetry where I think there's a particular say kind of- academish? Academish, yeah, okay. academish. I won't I like say it's that. academia because it's not, but it's <laughs> academish. Uh, 
<laughs> and I think oh, the I new series. Yeah, I think that Aaron like implies fall. like you know kind of feeling a certain professionalism. You know, I think you know I felt it always in like spoken word and slam spaces that there was a freedom and a love and like sort of a full humans were able to show up but I have not felt that in a lot of academic spaces I think it's always been like this is how you are a poet and like I don't know like I feel like we have a different kind of conversation here at the versus table um, I really feel like y'all are going to be grand stewards of that and that that is a needed type of space because it's not always about poetry the high art sometimes it's about poets the humans who see and feel and make these things and I think you know and that comes sometimes with some cussing or with some sloppiness or thinking on one's feet that and these like way these like unperfected un like grandly crafted ways so yeah i'm feeling very confirmed and also just excited because after this episode i just get to listen, listen right? <laughs> right. and i'm such a fan of y'all so just so excited for episode two oh, wow. <laughs> how does it feel for y'all yeah oh not the, the interview <laughs> not the question on the other side especially Brittany, you were like a you were like a big versus fan i you was said- a big versus like i listen to absolutely every episode <laughs> while i'm cleaning and doing other things um it feels really surreal it feels like talking to old friends i think i'm excited at the possibilities i think more than anything for me at least this represents like one of the first times that i really was like okay i'm taking a shot at something and like imagining that like i can step into a role that maybe i haven't known before Mm. i think everything else that i've ever done has always been like very um I don't know if structured is the right word, but like, okay, so I went to school to become a teacher and then I did student teaching and then I did this. So like the natural progression, of course, I'm going to become a teacher because this is what I've been like working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is like the first shot that I was like, okay, I've never done a podcast. I've never done like anything like this, but mm-hmm. like, what if? And me and Best were like, that's what do you think? What if? And then we decided to, so like to be, I don't know, this is just so surreal, I think, to, mm-hmm. to be here. Mm-hmm. Surreal is definitely worth the word. And then I think also like our what ifs becoming tangible because me and Brittany have been what ifing for 10 years together. And at this point, we're starting to look like, all right, what if these what ifs are like, or these things like me and Brittany make vision boards together every Every, year. And we make personal ones and we make ones for our friendship. Um, Oh, for your friendship? Yeah. So we we set friendship goals together. That's the cutest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. Literal friendship goals? Yeah, Yeah, friendship goals where we map out like what trips we want to take mm-hmm. how we want to pay for each other what areas we hold each other accountable wow. yes. so yeah. it will make calendars Denise, together slacking <laughs> <laughs> wait a second I think I think we have to you know let's do yeah, it let's do, 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 do the friendship vision board and then you keep it with your vision board so you always know to cover the other person's dreams really and you know what things that you're supposed to be stepping into I'm with obsessed. them I'm obsessed <laughs> I'm obsessed with this um, I'm so heart horny right now. <laughs> heart horny is exactly the right phrase. I'm gonna start picking that up. I'm using yeah. that shirt. Yeah. And I think I feel like I'm sitting inside a dream that we didn't know to dream. Yeah. You know, like and like sure. that is like adjacent or like in all of the things because me and Brittany do a lot of dreaming together. Yep. Mm. Um, and whether those things always become tangible, I think something that we've always been for each other is like I don't be seeing if I can do this, but you can do this, mm-hmm. and so with doing something like this together it was like you can do this you can do this and it was like it feels very surreal but it also feels like really good and mm. i feel really comfortable um so yeah i'm i'm excited oh praise god oh. praise god funny you. 
there. Can I ask what's moving y'all right now? Oh. Oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> oh my God. What's oh. moving y'all? A classic, well, a classic. <laughs> Lord. Oh, I've been preparing for this for so long. <laughs> I feel like I should have been preparing for this, but... I think I know. I you want me to go first? <laughs> want me to go first? Yes. Okay. Hashtag, I'm a human and I'm sensitive about my shit, and this mm. is very new to my life. Period. Uh, but what's moving me right now, and I'm not going to cry, but I might cry. I am three weeks sober from the drugs. Period. Um, you know... Um, Skin glowing, looking fine. Thank you, you, you know... Mary Jane was off of my main mama, but you know, um, you know, there were there were side chicks. Um, and it you know, I think I, I reached a breaking point in my life. Um, and I think breaking is necessary, right? Mm-hmm. There are many things that cannot heal without breaking, right? Breaking a bone intentionally. Um, and I think a pressure um with something that had been fun and had been a medicine and had been um, even like an artistic tool for a while became a not only a crutch but a burden upon my mental health and I didn't know how to let it go I think this is the longest yeah this three weeks is the longest I've been without being high since I was like 20 um, and I think I was so also so scared to like what if I don't know how to write anymore um, you know and it's been so freeing um, you know, there have been times, of course, you know, when you're exiting addiction, but there's a struggle. Um, you know, I've been very thankful for like NA spaces for like affirming that, like, you know, this is a hard thing. Um, but I have my mind back, y'all. And I, that is, I didn't know how bad I missed it. And I thought I had it. And it's been so liberating. I'm so supported by my partner and by my mother. I feel like I feel again. And I don't have to perform feeling and I don't have to perform joy that it is authentic and it is mine. And it is a liberation that I I don't fully have words to explain yet, but like I am out of a a, a fog that I was often creating with my own lungs. Mm. Um, and just to be out of that and be clear um you know, I have a fucking bigger vocabulary. I told y'all the other day, I used the word Paramount the other day. <laughs> and not talk about Paramount Plus. Like, like you know, like I was like, that is not Paramount right now. And I was like, oh, bitch! Oh, okay! <laughs> you know? And so I'm just like, wow. Like, there was a whole other mind back here. I'm, I'm like, I think I'm writing some of the best poems of my life right now. Yeah. I am, like, you know, I am more there. I am more present with my partner. I'm less angry with my family. Mm. <laughs> you know, there is just so much peace within this. And so what what is moving me is one a stillness um what is moving me is having moved back home having moved back into my body and my mind having moved um out of this space of um lethargy is that a word you know no lethargy lethargy there we go you know sometimes i don't know once you start making those I words you, other words yeah you. thank you <laughs> this is why we've been co-hosts uh, <laughs> uh you know so i've been that word that franny just said that i already forgot uh <laughs> and i feel like maybe I, i've been saying like i don't know i don't know if it's an old Inez that i'm meeting again because i'm definitely not 19 mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but maybe it is a new Inez that has a spirit and an energy that can do more like i want to write all the movies and all the books and do all the things and like there is like community work that i was like failing at that i feel like i can actually have the energy for now there is so much more space now that i've cleared this this space of smoke yeah. um um, and it's so wonderful. I love 
love that for you. Thank I you, love babies. that for you too. I'm glad to meet the new Denez. Thank and you. The Denez I already knew. Yes. Love that. Love this that. new Denez, that bitch is a lot louder. <laughs> you know what? I'm very invested. I feel like I have follow up questions. I want to know for any what's moving you, but can I ask a follow up question? Yeah, for sure. About the sobriety. I'm wondering if you ever struggled with a gap. Because when we talked about this, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Not interesting in like a weird voyeuristic way, but a gap almost between how other folks see you Mm -hmm. versus like the things that you're wrestling with in terms of like in Mm -hmm. like your interior space. Mm -hmm. Um, I think especially for someone, I mean, we're talking about being grown and the Mm -hmm. craft being grown and career no longer being emerging, all of these things. So being somebody who has had like, realistically I think the kind of like success in your work that people only dream of Mm -hmm. and then also having this other thing on the other side of it that maybe people don't process as existing in the same way I think we do maybe for like musicians but I don't think we do for poets I don't think we we process those things existing in the same way the way we do for and other it, artists. And musicians, right? We also kind of fetishize it, right? Yeah. I think we do fetishize mental health in poets. Yeah, like, we like, do. Oh, for sure, for sure. Lonely. Go yeah. write those good poems, sure. you know? Musicians, like, you know, like, I've even heard people say, like, oh, like, their music was better when they were on drugs. You yes. Know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And yes. so those are such record things. I mean, I think to talk about myself personally and that distance and how I even helped aid that distance mm. um, and maybe, like, was, like, depending on that distance to help me still depend on the substance, these substances, um, I think I have to go back to childhood and talk about how a nigga learns compartmentalization, right? Yeah. Um, this is a safe space. Me and my mom talk about this. We also talk about not being ashamed to talk about this. If any other family members are for some random reason listening to this right now, turn it off. But I grew up in a home with domestic violence, right? Yeah. Um, I grew up in a house. I think I've talked about it on the show before. It's also in my work. But um, I grew up in a house where um, my grandfather, um, God rest his soul, was very, very violent and a horrible husband to my grandmother. Um and, you know, the thing about his alcoholism and his violence is that at least by the time I showed up, it was very compartmentalized into the weekend. And so Friday and Sunday were hell. Right. And we all knew it was hell and we could recognize it in hell. And there was yelling and there was screaming and there was fighting. And, you know, eventually I was big enough to also fight him. And that's when he stopped. But on Monday. You better not talk about that shit. Mm. On Monday, grandpa's grandpa's nice and cuddly. And you better not recognize that he was just, he was, everybody in the house was just crying two days ago and that you was pulling him off your grandmama because now it's all good and he a good man and he come home and he bring home the bacon, he bring the whole check, you know, and like, mm. so, and then Thursday is the last day of that because on Friday, everybody come home coming, from work and school yeah. a little different because we know what's coming at night. And so that type of compartmentalization of like having to, right, and Bell Hooks talks about this, right? Like how how abuse cannot square with love, right? You know, but having, you know, it was a logic that I think a lot of us are familiar with. How do I make logic out of this person who abuses me or who abuses people that I love? We're also calling this love. Mm. And in that distance, there's so much room to hide, to make excuses, to, to, you know, there's so much room for other violences to come within that distance of the logics of abuse and love and how you're trying to hold on to both of those at the same time so you can feel loved. And And so so you can survive. And so you you can can survive, survive. right? And I think that type of compartmentalization is, I think, what I saw as an evidence, you know, because I knew how to play the role, right? I knew how to act on Monday. You know, I know how to, and that's the same thing with my life. I know, you know, even if I'm breaking down, I can kind of, and we do that for poets, right? You yeah, can, yeah. as a touring poet, you can be having the shittiest day in the world. And when 7.30 hits and you got to be on that stage or you got to teach that class and you got to sign them books and you got to be friendly, you, you hold it up. 
Mm. I got to be okay for the next three hours. I got to be happy for the next three hours. I got to be charming. I got to be smart for the next three hours. And then I can go back to this hotel room and crumble. You know, and that is the type of, you know, performance work that I think so many of us do. And I think now I feel like what I'm actually talking about when I talk about having my mind back, I feel like I can be my whole self. Mm. Right. And I think not only in happiness, I feel like I'll be able to bring my, you know, my vulnerability, like the times when I'm not good. I'm able to bring that. I feel like I will be. Hopefully, I think I already have been in some small ways. Um, check back in, in on me when this is a little bit further down the road. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, like I think I'm able to bring more of that whole space and not be like, OK, this is and as you need to be even around the homies right mm-hmm. like of not telling them everything was going on to me until it was the breaking point right because I've had other low moments and it's just like oh, you can no longer hold it in and then I'm texting everybody being like well somebody please call and check on me because yeah. I'm just not okay and I probably yeah. should hit y'all niggas up a couple months ago but here I am now you know yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love that for you I love that like the the end of compartmentalization is like part of what makes you whole and that like this step is like is yeah is yeah. aiding that no more rooms i want to open concept you know open concept subjectivity yes yes you can see all parts of the interiority from there i just yes. want to say that the analogies on this show the metaphors <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly <laughs> we're doing our part <laughs> we are learn something learn from this you learn from this I was rooting for you. Uh, we were all rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, wow. Okay, Franny, what's moving you? To you? Oh, you know, I think that what's moving me, I think it's two things that are related, and one of them is domesticity and like my my like life in my house with my love, hmm. and then the other is mortality mm. is death <sighs> and the i think that the reason they're related is is because i, I there, there's this mortality meditation that i um have done a few times where it's basically it's about like what are the priorities of your life you know it's like a pretty simple concept it's like you know say you know in in 40 years or like when you're like 90 100 you're on your deathbed you're looking back and thinking about your life, like, what are you glad that you've done? What are you, you know, what are you taking with you? What are you like holding in that moment? And then you, and then it's like, go back, okay, like 10 years, say like, it's like 10 years from now, what are you like happy that you have like put your time and energy into while you've had your time on this earth? And then it goes, it's like, say you have a year, say you have a week, say you have a day. And so then it's like, it's today, it's today, look back what what was what was important mm. and Township. doing that like has clarified so many things for me mainly that the thing the, uh, like the answer has has just been writing poems <laughs> writing poems that are like the work of my life and not just trying to like dance for other people but like are the work of my life and then um spending time being happy with the people that I love. Mm. And, oh, here come the emotions. Okay. Um, and I... Okay. Oh, yeah. Take a minute, Freddie. Would you like a hug? No, I'm okay. Thank you. Being happy with my person has just um, made me realize 
how unhappy I was mm-hmm. previously, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think it's just like the recognition of um, recognizing that it, it is recognizing that it is possible to be happy in love and um, to make a home with this person and that it doesn't take much, that we don't need anything, mm-hmm. that we have so much more and like need so much less. Um, and that's what's been moving me. Ooh, I was gonna say I gotta breathe for a second. Yeah, we, yeah we could all just. You better make me text my nigga, girl. <laughs> I'm like, baby, we don't need nothing. Everybody. We don't need nothing. Just us, just love. Us in one small room, one my single Ooh. bed. <laughs> Job provider bread. Oh my gosh. Ooh, that is a testimony. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Franny, for sharing that. Yeah. And so, like, you know, that's just it's meant like the past week, like Cameron and I've been. We were just like unpacking in our new house, and like I like used a weed whacker, and I was like, <laughs> I was like the happiest I've ever been, whacking those weeds. <laughs> I was like, I love this. We like painted a room, and I was like, there's literally nothing else I want more. There is something about nesting that is just so wonderful. Like me and my partner just moved in together nesting. recently, nesting and is that shit. And I, I definitely, yeah, I oh. definitely was crying as like he was washing the dishes, and like I was just like looking for the right like place to hang the picture, and like oh. asking like, "What do you think?" And then I was like, "I he, I do it a, a couple times. I think I do it at least once a week. I'm just like, I'm just so happy to like." live a life with you (laughs) in the simplest moments you know it ain't got to be when we on the bomb vacation just i'm happy that we're watching tv together i do want to like one of the last questions we wanted to ask y'all was um what as the space is opening so coming out of versus is like a transition this is something y'all have been nurturing and building and growing for like five years and like dreaming for and we kind of know want to know what you're dreaming for yourselves beyond versus now I mean, I think for me, some of that is like very much like I just want to like I need the space to work on myself for a little bit. I want to grow this relationship so much that I've been in and now I'm in entering a new space with. Um, you know, I feel like I learned so much from the guests of Versus and the process of just doing Versus um, that I'm excited to like see how those skills manifest in other ways. I also like, you know, um, I feel like I have more energy than before. And so there's like projects and things that like I've either let's look through my fingers or just let's sit on the back burner that I'm like, Denez, now is your time to like grab hold of those dreams and really like put the work and the effort into them um, to make them manifest. And so, you know, I, I hope to be, I don't know. I've always, I'm like, I need to, I need to write movies. I need to like write novels and like, there's all the things that are like currently drafting and building. And so that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, but I think always I come back to the question of use and like, how is me and my work, not just the written work, but the work I do in the physical world, how is that manifesting goodness and use in other people's lives? And so, um, versus has been like, has been that in some, some yeah, it has been part of that, you know, and I'm excited to, I mean, I think I need to like, you know, I think part of it is like making sure that like I can enter these spaces responsibly and be accountable to the work that I say I'm going to do. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, so I just like hope to like always be like, you know, especially as life has afforded me so much comfort and I feel like um, that I, that I want to just continue to ask that question of like, what is more use? But right now I feel like there is a particular um, artistic wellspring that has popped up in me that I feel like I have more attention to. 
Um, but also, like, you know, I think, like, Versus was very beautiful. Like, I think I love podcasting. And I think, like, we're excited to, like, explore some new projects. We're not going to say too much right now. Mm. You, know, there's, you know, there's something on, there's, there's a pot on simmer on the stove. Uh, okay, uh, Not a sneak peek yeah, at the exclusive. Yeah, you know, you know, It's cooking slow and low right now. I know that's right. It's getting tenderized. It's breaking on Dion. Um, you know, um... But, you know, so, yeah, so I'm just excited for that to continue to um, and I think I did build a career, you know, at some during my 20s. And now I'm like, let me build my life, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, sure. and yeah, some very like 30s. It's a very 30s move. Ooh, 30 gang. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. <laughs> Feel good. Sorry, Anthony. That's okay. I'm so I'm excited for 30, but 27, 27 is good. I'm, I'm lit here. Yeah. I'm lit. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I love that idea of youth. So, Janez, I mean, I think I think about that all the time. And, and like, I remember, like, a, a major life, not a major life shift, but maybe, like, a moderate life shift happening when I realized, like, I wasn't being used to, to my full, like, I wasn't being as useful to the world as I knew that I could be, you mm-hmm. know, which meant that, like, I had to be maybe even, like, for a second a little bit less humble so that I could do a little bit more and, like, be a little bit more useful. Mm. And I feel like so long for so long Versus has been one of the ways that I felt useful to, like, a larger community of people who love poetry or, like, maybe, maybe love poetry, like, mm-hmm. maybe love thinking or something. And now I feel like it's, like... A lot of that energy is going to go and has been going into Bruin Forge mm-hmm. and like, yeah, bu- like building up this place where artists and movement workers can kind of like meet and and dream together and, um, you know, and and some of that energy is going into teaching and like really kind of stepping into my own as like a professor. I know, um, that's you right. know? Married homeowner professor. (laughs) Yeah. And like, um, you know, just like actually really dedicating myself to like continuing to growing my teaching practice and like doing right by my students and and stuff. Um, So I guess I think that that's where the like outward, the outward energy is going. But I also like, I don't know, versus has been like the way to meet and talk deeply with 22 poets a year you know yeah. what I mean so I'm sort of like okay like how am I gonna do that now mm-hmm. you know um and then so that's that's something that I'm thinking about like how to continue being like in conversation like very not if not like super literally like in other ways with like poets thinkers maybe it's um listening to verses oh, <laughs> like, you have, know maybe that's what it is but mm-hmm. yeah that's what I'm thinking about okay so a question about um, influences, right? Because mm. we think it's really important to think about ourselves as like who informs our work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So if somebody wants to like deeply, deeply get into your work, right? They want to understand you. They want to know where you, you know, where all your thinking comes from, how all that brewing happens. Who are like three people across any medium that they should engage with to know you better or to know your work better? Ooh, any mm. medium. I have a list of at the end of my book. I'm holding a galley mm-hmm. of the of the book, and um, ooh, can you tell us the title? Of the oh book? yes, the t- title is "The World Keeps Ending and the World Goes On," and ooh, it comes and where out. Where can people get it? Um, uh, in um your local independent bookstore. <laughs> I know that's right. 
it. And on like all of those other things that aren't Amazon also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, at the end of it, I have in the notes like just a list of like, it just says many of these poems, you know, like like I know like where I've like stolen a line or borrowed, borrowed like a phrase or something. And also I say additionally, many of these poems owe, owe their lives to the work and voices of, and then there's just like a list of poets. Mm. Um which was like a way of freeing myself from like um, remembering yeah, <laughs> which yeah. which things, but also like don't, knowing that everyone's voices are with mixed in with everybody's voices. Yeah, like Patricia is on this list. Douglas Smith. Patricia Smith. Patricia yeah. Smith is on this list. Um, like you were saying, Douglas Kearney. Douglas Kearney is on this list. I mean, Linda Gregerson is on this list. I mean, this this is like so. I don't know if this is would be like my top three across any genre but that's my that's my starting answer word um okay marvin gay um is somebody you have to understand to understand my work mm. um i think his relationship between uh to the to sex to melancholy to politics to the divine um i am the biggest marvin gay fan my like college roommates will tell you like in the like prime trap years of like me being in college from 2007 to 2012, I was probably listening to Marvin Gaye mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> at any it. given time. Um, um, okay, who else um, to understand my work? Detroit poets. Oh. Um, even though I am from ten hours away in the Midwest, um, I think um, I think what we say about Patricia Smith is also true very much so for all Detroit poets in terms of poets who were so skilled um, in the air but who were having a fierce attention to how the words were falling on the page and the like beauty of the written word. Um, Shout out Detroit School. Yeah, Detroit, Detroit, you know, like uh, Detroit School, it just comes to mind and like from generations, right? Like from the older Detroit poets, from you know, and like to... Uh, middle-aged Detroit poets to the young Detroit poets to like when I meet Detroit the youth poets you know there is such a fierce attention to every space in which the craft can be engaged and I think so much especially like being a young spoken word artist I think like so many of my favorite poets um, were coming out of Detroit shout out to Eric D. Matthews shout out to Erica Foreman shout out to the late David Blair shout out to Jamal May shout out to just you know Nandi Comer Um, just so 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 many great Detroit school poets who I think have have really been a model for how to really approach every aspect of the craft of poetry well and I don't like that white man. I ain't gonna say his name, but I do like his art. <laughs> Honestly, no. I'm gonna go ahead and say it because sometimes, you know, our influences aren't always the best people. But Quentin Tarantino, uh-huh. Quentin Tarantino, I think his work is profane, is imaginative. It fucks with history. I think at the end of the day, mostly I agree with his politics. I like that he killed a lot of slave owners and Nazis in those two movies. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but Quentin Tarantino, like I think like he he's just great. You know, I think like uh, especially like a work I was really late to. I just watched it um, last year for the first time, but like I saw Pulp Fiction and everything like shifted for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and like I've been a lover of the Django's and all this other kind of stuff. Um, you know, I think like I critique. You know, I, I say in like Dinosaurs in the Hood. I think like don't tell let Tarantino direct this. But the secret is, I would all I would love Tarantino to direct. <laughs> <something>. <laughs> 
That's the actual secret. Oh like, maybe just give him That's a good ass so like assistant funny. director. <laughs> Don't let Tarantino direct us unless, unless you're listening, to Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino you know, in which you case, know. you know, call my people. You know, I think it would be. I think I would. You know, okay, he can be a producer, right? You know, I actually want. Don't let him direct it. Do let him produce it. Yeah, do let him produce. You know, like we want your money and your insight, but like we're gonna give it to Mr. Jenkins. You know, to actually direct. So or Miss DeVernay. Um, or right. actually mix Oscar um, yes. can over here you know find some Oscar wow. a phenomenal yes. director you know a phenomenal director Definitely. I love my siblings vision um, so shout out to Fatima Oscar who I actually believe um, if y'all motherfuckers act right and pay attention um, is going to be one of the most groundbreaking directors of our time Period. you heard it here first actually Absolutely. you didn't hear it first Period. but you heard it here again <laughs> okay I think I got my three okay but it's actually a four okay okay Let's the three slash four are Pak Chanuk, who's the director, the Korean director who made like The Handmaiden, mm. like Old Boy. Mm. Those those movies didn't make. But That's a bad motherfucker. Yeah, it's like somewhere between him, um, like Virginia Woolf, oh. and like Patricia Smith. Okay, there go I. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that actually makes a lot right? of sense. Right? Like yeah. somewhere in there, my like try. And then I think, what was my fourth one? Now I can't even remember. Maybe it was like Suji Kwok Kim or something. Okay. Oh, can I sure. add a fourth though? Because I feel like it actually is very important <laughs> to my work. Um, a lot of y'all ain't gonna know who I who I'm talking about, but Reverend McAfee, okay. <laughs> Reverend Jerry McAfee from New Salem Missionary Baptist Church in Minneapolis. That was the first poet that I watched perform every week, and watching like his that. sermons, the emotion that he could elicit with just the power of his voice and his words was one of the strongest lessons that I took for myself going into spoken word. I think it would be a disrespect to my work if I did not acknowledge the role of the art of preaching and the black church as a foundation mm, for what I do. Real. So, for yes. Sure. So, Reverend Jerry McAfee, shout out to you. I love that for us. Love that. I do. We're going to go to break really quick. Yes. So, for a game of fast punch. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> to once be the puncher and not the punching bag. Wow. We love to see it. Honestly, yeah, the I, I'm invested. Um Okay, oh. so do y'all want to be optimist or pessimist? I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with optimist. I'm gonna go with best. And I will go with the worst. Yeah, I think that 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 track. I think this is very on brand. Yeah, very on brand. Yeah, Actually in our literal lives, I, I think you're say, the pessimist and I'm the optimist. I would but... have said it was the end. <laughs> oh, I think I that's like that's like yes, yeah, my, my inside sibling. Inside yes. face, outside face. For sure. Uh, the speaker of tactics. And tactics, yes. Then Franny, I will start with you. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> I can hear the ticking in my mind. Okay. The metronome. Okay. All right, I'm ready. Shower song. <gasps> Since you've been gone. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes, oh, yep. that was quality. Mm. Poetic device. Oh, it's still me? Okay. Poetic device. Oh, I learned this recently. Chiasmus. Ooh. Do you know what this? Teacher. It's I feel like, like that was on Fred Lib's list. Oh my god. Ooh. It's like it's like when you when it, it makes like a cross. So when you say like the the king of time and the time of kings or something. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Why a novel? Oh. Um A Wrinkle in Time. Mm. The classic. Awesome. Yeah. That is very wholesome. Sci-fi being. Sci-fi being. Like any any person any person thing. Either. Okay, 
Um, I mean robots, cyborgs. No, wait. No, okay, okay. Like the AI system on a ship. Is that what I mean? Okay, that's that's just gonna be who I who I pick right now. So Zora on Star Trek Discovery mm. is like the AI system on when when they're ever they're like computer, like calculate the distance or whatever. But then she on Discovery like starts to have a consciousness and starts to experience feelings and have emotional intelligence and have to process her emotions. I love that. I'm into it. Yes. My heart. <laughs> <laughs> and before bed snack. I think it's just like I think it's just like a ginger tea with honey. Is mm. that a snack? Does it count? I I count it. I'll pass it to you. For okay, me. wait. Yeah, did I do it? Did I fast punch yeah. it? Yeah. Did I punch it? Did I punch it fast? You okay. did. You did. Good job, bro. <laughs> oh, man. You float like a butterfly, singing like a bee. Okay. It was it's lovely. Stressful. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna turn it to you, Denise. All right, we the, here. What's for up? the worst of times. Worst. Mm. I hate worst. it. Worst. Okay. Worst poetic device. Ooh. <laughs> Overuse of alliteration when it actually doesn't make any much sense. Ooh. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. For sure. Very fair. Sounds lovely, but it means nothing. Mm -hmm. Got it. Uh, worst R&B singer. Woo! Um, uh, Trey Songz. He yodels. <laughs> yes. Woo. Not yodels. Wow. Worst drink. Worst drink. Um, is oh Fernet. I hate that shit. What's that? Fernet is like this like licoricey alcohol, oh. and people be trying to put in the stuff. And like, I love licorice, but it tastes like black licorice, which is the worst licorice. And it tastes like Twizzlers black licorice, which is the worst of the worst. And it's just nasty. And people be trying to put in drinks, and it ruins any drink that was ever tasty. Got it. Well, I, I hate also and milk licorice. when it's hot, but I love milk. But when it's hot, it's just not. Oh. It's not that popping. Really? Ooh. Like when it's hot outside. Oh, oh warm okay. milk. So I thought you meant oh, warm milk. Coming. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I feel bad because I also do not like warm milk. The idea what? thereof was like, whoo, yikes. Wow, I was side eyeing y'all. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's comforting. Um, <laughs> worst Disney movie. <gasps> wow. Ooh, worst wow, Disney wow. movie is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. <gasps> Take it Ooh. back. I ain't mad at it. What? Standing your truth, Danette. Standing <laughs> your truth. I don't what know. About he was all on her. And it's like, bro, get like, mm. But what about out there, standing in the sun, <laughs> taste the morning out there, all I ask is one. No? It doesn't do it for you. No. I was like, Danette does not look moved. Wow. Danette does not I really, yeah. Honestly, that that actually might be my top so shower song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you said the first answer. <laughs> Ooh, okay, and finally, worst date night possibility. Wow, a white man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Actually, you know, that is not true to my history, so. <gasps> I'm, I'm not implicating yourself. I am going to be honest. I have loved a, I have loved a Caucase or two in my days. A Caucase. <laughs> um, you know, for brief moments, I, from Minnesota, I went to school in Madison. I had very few options. Had to break open the seal. Um, but, no okay. judgment here. Worst date night possibility. Oh, um, if, is it first date or just any date night? Any date. Any date. Okay. Um, oh, a competitive thing like bowling. If you're not good at losing, because I hate that. Oh, uh, yeah. Especially like dating guys. It's just like that. You like they take you to the thing and they're like, I'm about to blah 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 blah, and then they lose and they're having a bad time. Well, it's like, well, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You should have known your limitations. Yeah. Listen, time to step it up. Step okay. It up. I'm Damn. just a loser. Yeah. 
So it's actual fact. Okay, so let's put those two I'm together. A very a sore losing loser. white man. Worst <gasps> date. Wow. <laughs> That is a oh, nightmare. Oh, wow, that's a metaphor for America. Honestly? <laughs> yeah. It is. We are on a bad It's not even date, a y'all. metaphor. It's like yeah. just literally what it is. It's literally what it is. It's time for us to exit the date, America. Indeed. Oof. We did it. Y'all passed yeah. wow. We passed punch. Wow. I'm so proud of us, Franny. Franny, we would love it <laughs> if you closed this out with a poll. This is why we're the former host. Because <laughs> we don't know how to act, though. Wait, Franny, are you going to read something us. from the book? From the new yes, book? I'm going to read something from the new book. But before I do, I think that maybe we should just say like, thank you. And yeah. like, what a joy and a good, good, good thing this has been. Mm-hmm. And it makes, uh, in the words of Ajane, it makes my heart smile. Oh, it really does. Yeah. It makes you. my heart smile and cry. And it like, does. Spin it around does. And Y'all are about to be fantastic. Yeah. Like, what if this is our first episode? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like y'all did so good oh, and like also so thank much. you for having us like yeah. thank you for inviting us to be in this podcast yeah. listen yeah. right we were like oh my god, we're interviewing them this is so great no, yeah. y'all are y'all it's are honor. y'all are truly gifts and can't mm-hmm. wait for this gift to show up every two weeks in people's inboxes oh, and it'll be easier it. once we have you know not two people who don't know how to behave but just one person <laughs> yeah. who doesn't know how to behave <laughs> um but yeah, so I'll read a poem from the from the new book, um, and I wanted to read this one because uh, it Denez is in the title, um, and it's sort of written for for them and for our friends and for all the people we love. So it was like after um, Denez posted on Twitter like asking for recommendations of like songs to dance to in other languages, um, very danceable songs in other languages. So it, the poem is called Denez says they want to lose themselves in bops they can't sing along to. <laughs> Denez says. They want to lose themselves in bops they can't sing along to. And I'm thinking of the years I spent sweating to the choreo of every K-pop song with a decent dance break. Me and the other girls from church, practically saintly in our diligence as we rehearsed our isolations and body rolls, winding and rewinding the tapes, our noses nearly grazing the screen. Though, in truth, I only understood maybe about half the words, the other half mostly sounds, which nevertheless sank into my muscles, pathways laid by so many hours of industrious mouthing that now, while humming idly some stupid tune at the sink, I'll realize for the first time ever what that line meant. Though, of course, pop everywhere is a language so reliable it's nearly nothing. Baby, let me know, and I need you in my arms on babbling loop through the ages. And I'm thinking, too, about how this, my first love of losing myself in the scaffolds and percussives of an unparsed lyric, doomed me for life to never be able to hear, actually hear the words to any songs, even in English, even my favorites, like Jamila's, which I put on when I'm adrift and sunken and just need to feel at home in something. Even those harbors are built mostly of sonics, not gibberish, I mean, but language so sacred it's not my place to try to decipher it. Phonemes holy as stones on a string, mysterious as the names we give to animals or the words we know only in prayer. 
at Rebecca's mother's funeral, for example, where, when invited, I added my small voice to the reciting of the Kaddish, and the perfect thunder of it lifted one part of me higher than air while rooting another deep into the fragrant earth, a bit of which I later scooped as gently as I could bear onto the casket, the shovel heavier than any word I knew, and more full of light than even the birds overhead, who, as we wept, kept, of course, right on, saying exactly whatever they needed to say. Oh, Franny. That's wow, beautiful. Franny. Oh, thank you. Thanks, My friends. Heart. Thanks, friends. Thank I you. Love you. I love you. I love you. And the poem for not knowing the words breathe. to the songs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We both always Y'all gonna have me crying in public. Oh my God. I was about to say. The tourist in me can't take it. I can't take it. Yeah, there's been a lot of feelings. And that was like, yeah, that was that was the final straw. That was like, that was it. That was the one. Good job, y'all. Yeah, good job. Good job, y'all. Thank y'all. Who best? That conversation did so much for my heart. Like, I don't know. I think I feel really, really nostalgic. I wasn't expecting to feel this way. Like, I'm thinking about the baby version of me, the baby version of you, the version of Denise and Franny that we both met versus who they are now. And I don't know. I just feel like we've all come a really, really long way, Bess. Same. And it has me thinking about the conversation we had about how you and I have grown and changed, the things we've learned and unpacked. It hits different. Although being grown is more fun than I feel like the adults tried to tell me it was. <laughs> like, and I don't know if they was doing grown a little different than I'm doing grown, but <laughs> probably. <laughs> to be fair to them, probably. Oh man, yeah, best. In what ways are you different now than than a younger version of yourself? I think a younger version of myself felt responsible for everybody. And so because of that, I think I just felt like I couldn't take any risk in any area. Loki, that version like exists somewhere <laughs> in pictures. Don't look for her. Don't find her. But that version exists. <laughs> there was a version of me that was like super religious, super like legalistic, super, super. I want to do everything my matriarchy told me I needed to do mm. to survive. And it's hard to have imagination when you're like, OK, ooh, I'm just trying to stay alive. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I think just very afraid to have any joy or any autonomy for myself. Hmm. What about you, Bess? What ways do you feel like you have changed as you've grown up? Ooh, I think a lot of getting grown for me and knowing myself beyond all of the expectations and rules that have been on me. I feel like a lot of it has actually been just figuring out who I am. Like, what do I specifically want what are my interests what brings me joy and what things do I need to unlearn to live the healthiest version of myself and then also part of me getting grown has been thinking about the way our position shifts in community a whole range of responsibilities that I get to walk into and accept and share with the people who are coming in and are new because I have nothing but beautiful things to say about the people who loved me when I came into my space and like when I came into these spaces. I have nothing but fond memories of the way people loved on me and 
created space for me as a youth or as somebody who was just new to the space, even if it wasn't about age, I was just the new person. Bess, I'm so emotional. It is a gift to be somebody's mentor, right? It's a gift it to be able to walk somebody through a process that you've already been through or that you're still going through. Being able to pour back into people what's been poured into you. Ooh, not us both in our chest. Big, I love you, big in my face. feelings. <laughs> big in my feelings. Okay, well, before we start crying in the club, <laughs> let's do some general thank yous and then let's prepare to get out of here. I think in the spirit of talking about mentorship and growth and people who've seen us from the beginning, I always have to shout out Erica Foreman and Matthew Ozman and the Detroit School because they really saw potential in this super young, super new writer and have continued who hold space for me and who challenge me and who encourage me. And then in terms of peer mentorship, I have to shout out Witness. Witness! First, first, first loves, <laughs> the folks who still read my poems to this day. I think peer mentorship is so important and so slept on. But yes, yeah, so I got to give a shout out to them because they, they held me down. What about you, Bess? Shout out to Witness. Oh, my gosh. I also want to give a shout out to Erica Foreman, who was my first poetry teacher, first person I ever took a poetry workshop with, which is wild. I want to give a shout out to Mariah Burton. I want to shout out Oh My First Wave for being a space of peer mentorship, but also mentorship in its traditional capacity. So shout out to N that space we've been spoiled in how well we've been loved listen y'all ajene is not <laughs> the best at goodbye so we'll be here being nostalgic all day so best can you thank our peoples and then we're gonna get out of here okay i got you we want to offer our thank yous to the poetry foundation itza blancas Adami noriega elon sloan sin pim our producer and ombi productions <laughs> period and the audio engineers of detroit robin and mike please don't forget to rate and review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts we appreciate you bye bye